Hi, and welcome to the Redeemer Church Podcast. I'm so glad that you're listening today. At Redeemer, we are committed to connecting people to God's transforming love, and I hope that this podcast is just one more way that you connect to God's presence this week. We are currently doing a 15-week study of the Gospel of John, and along with our weekend sermons, we also have daily devotionals that we're posting online Monday through Friday, and we also have a print version of that book available at the church you can pick up throughout the week by driving up through our front drive. So here is week eight of our study with our student pastor, Wopsle. Well, hello, Redeemer. We are so glad that you are here joining us wherever you are and even whenever you're watching this. Um, We're glad that you're engaging with what God is doing here at Redeemer. Also, happy Fourth of July weekend. It's my favorite holiday next to Christmas because the food's incredible, of course, fireworks, um, and then we're celebrating freedom and what that means for us um, as a country and the freedom to worship, um, well, not together exactly, but together in some sense. And so welcome here. It's appropriate that this weekend is uh, July 4th weekend because we're in John 8 today, which is about the freedom. It's about how living in freedom um, should impact the way that we live. So if you have your John devotional, we're going to be on page 67. You can get there and take notes if you want to. Um, While you're getting there, let me kind of catch you up. So the the gospel of John started um, with these ideas, some words like this, in him was life and that life is the light, right? It also said that the light shines in the darkness. And this idea of Jesus being the light is prevalent all throughout the Gospel of John. And so today we arrive at John 8, and we see Jesus illuminating, Jesus showing clearly who he is, what he's doing, and how we should respond to that. Because light, what what light does is it shows what is true, right? I don't know if you're, if you're like me, you get up in a dark room and you don't know where you're going, so you're kind of putting your feet out so you don't stub your toe and you're kind of feeling around like this, right? But, but you turn on a light and you can navigate that same room so much easier. That's what light does, and that's what Jesus came to do is help us to navigate this world more easily. Let me share with you kind of an embarrassing story. Uh, not long ago, just a few years ago, but I was a grown man, I was married, I had kids, and one night I woke up in the middle of the night believing that vampires are real. I popped my head off my pillow and I just knew that they were real and I assumed if they're real they're also trying to get into my house and so I didn't wake my wife Amy up because I didn't want to scare her about the vampires but I got up and I went into the living room and what did I do? I turned on all the lights because that's what we do when we're scared in the middle of the night is we turn on all the lights assuming that ghosts are afraid I guess of the lights. And so I'm sitting in the living room and I'm like, what am I going to do about these vampires? Um, And once I got all the lights on, I realized that they at least weren't in my home, but they're still out there, right? And so I'm worried. And and the longer I was up, I began to realize, okay, wait, vampires aren't in my house. Okay, wait, vampires aren't outside of my house because vampires aren't even real. It took me about 30 minutes to calm down in my living room with all the lights on, trying to kind of figure out why is no one freaking out about these vampires, it's because they're not real. And isn't that what we do, right? Light kind of helps us realize what is true and what is not. Isn't it interesting that for me, vampires were real, but no matter how much I believed that to be true, and no matter how much that affected the way that I was acting, it simply wasn't true. 
I think if we begin to rely on our own minds, or worse, our own emotions and our feelings to figure out what is and isn't true, y'all, we're going to be in a world of hurt, and we're going to be all over the place, because my mind doesn't stay the same between Monday and Tuesday. It's not a reliable source of truth. I need something outside of me that I can look to, that I can stand on that's going to be true. And so I want to talk today with you from John 8 about this idea of kind of a big T truth, like capital T, cosmic truth that we can look to. Does it even exist? Because in culture right now, we like to do this idea of kind of saying, well, well, this is true for me, right? This is my truth, and you don't tell me what your truth is. You can't put your truth on me because this is true for me. If that's true for you, it's fine, but this is, this is my truth. And It's like if anything is absolute, it's truth, right? It either is true or it's not true. So why do we get this idea that truth is so relative? Well, this is a a, a dumb example that I think helps me figure it out. I think that we treat truth like this. We take a blender. And first of all, we take God's word. And we say, we know that's true, so we put it in there, right? We're going to start with that. That's a good foundation. But then we also take some things that we learned as we grew up, right? Some things that our parents or our grandparents taught us and some things that we've assumed from where we come from, and we put those in there as well. And then we take our favorite news station that we're watching way too much probably, and everything that they say, we cram that down in there as well. So we've got our blender starting to fill up. And then we take a Facebook post from a friend that we haven't seen since high school. You know, it's the, probably the guy that didn't wear a suit underneath his cap and gown just for the laughs. And he said something on Facebook, so we give him authority, and we cram that down in there too. And so then we blend up all of these ideas and all of this stuff, and then we pull it up and we say, here's my truth. And while there's truth in here, I'm not saying that this thing is full of lies, but it's not capital T truth either. There's some truth in there. There's a lot of opinions in there. There's a lot of half-truths in there, and there even ends up being some lies in there. Our blended up truth influences how we walk around and what we do, and Jesus is trying to say, no, that is a poor substitution for what the actual truth is, which Jesus says is me. So we end up giving authority on truth to things that never earned it in the first place. And so I love in John 8, Jesus comes and he just declares simply. He just tries to say plainly and clearly, I am the light and I am illuminating everything so that you can see clearly and know clearly how to navigate this life. We're starting this week in John 8 verse 12, which says this, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I think it's a comforting verse, right? That's good. Jesus just says, hey, I'm the light. And if you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness. Right? And John chapter 8 is a lot of this. It's just Jesus Jesus saying these things about himself. But I'm kind of a sucker for headings in my Bible. Now, these these, these were added later. But in the NIV version, um, the headings in John chapter 8, I think, are pretty telling because John chapter 8, verse 12 says, I'm the light. But then the headings that show us the groups, the, the, the stories that are going throughout John 8, here's the, what the headings say. Dispute over Jesus' testimony. Dispute over who Jesus is. Dispute over who Jesus' opponents are. And then lastly, Jesus' claims about himself. 
Isn't it interesting that as Jesus, with increasing clarity, describes who he is, what he's here to do, and how that should affect how we live, as he describes those things, it brings up disputes, right? It keeps causing this commotion because there's the religious status quo versus who Jesus is, the actual light, and they can't coexist, so there's all of these disputes. In John 8, Jesus says the phrase, I am, 15 times. Different translations have a few different, but they're all in the teens. So Jesus is saying, I am this, I am that. Look to me because I am this. It's, it's a great thing on exactly who Jesus is, and that's why it's causing disputes. Because illuminating the truth should cause disputes. It should cause friction because when the truth is told in love, it points out the areas that we need to work on reveals parts of our blended up faith that don't honor God. I think sometimes we think of the truth as turning on the light so that we don't bump our shin on the coffee table in our living room, right? And while truth could certainly do that, do you know where I see truth in my life more often? When I'm rubbing the bloody bruise on my shin and I turn on the light and I say, oh, there was a coffee table there I didn't know about. Right? Truth shows me usually the areas that I need to work on that I can avoid next time because I'm not smart enough to turn the lights on before I walk across the room. Listen, oftentimes the truth is going to create friction because we're not relying on it absolutely enough. Let me put it this way. If all the truth that you're engaging with ever does is confirm how you feel about yourself and how you feel about your sin— or confirm how you feel about other people's sin, then you might be dealing with a blended up kind of truth and not the capital T truth that Jesus claims to be. Light didn't come to show you the truth of everyone else's sin so you could point it out. Light came to shine on you the truth about you. Jesus goes on in John 8, verse 31 and 32, a popular verse you probably know. It says this, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. So right there, if you hold on to the word of God, if you take the things that I'm saying is true and apply them to your life, then you're my disciple. And then what's going to happen? Verse 32, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. How can we know the difference between God's truth and our blended up truth? It's because we hold on to the teachings, then we will know the truth and it's the truth that will set us free. So I've got a quick test here for you to, some criteria for you when you're testing whether or not your faith, whether or not the truth that you're dealing with is something you might have blended up yourself or whether it might be something out of God, God's Word and the Holy Spirit convicting you. So here's just a couple of criteria that I think might be helpful. Number one is incorrection. When you're engaging with this truth, does it make you want to go out and correct everybody else's mistakes? Or does it want to make you correct and work on your own heart and your own life? Truth's more about revealing what you need, not what everybody else has done. How about the second criteria for testing is, is conviction. Like in your heart, conviction. With this truth, do you feel condemned because there are areas that you need to work on that you're not sure if you're ever going to get better in? Or you deal, do you feel convicted and invited into this freedom that you're free to run 
that you're free to go and to sin no more because truth is good news and it's freedom. And if truth feels like it's shackles to you, then it's this fake blended truth that's not real truth. Get it out of here. The last criteria is, is, is what is it challenging? Does it only confirm what you already feel and believe? Every time you engage in truth, does it just prove you right over and over and over? Or is it challenging some of your thoughts and your behaviors and inviting you into something better? Really wrestle with the truth that you're engaging in. And invite the Holy Spirit to reveal to you areas that it's not absolute truth. Because if I can be honest, sometimes truth feels a little bit more like a gut punch than a pat on the back. And it's not because truth, is, it's, it hurts or because it's harsh, but it's because the truth, the truth in love that causes us to change is sometimes hard for us to hear, and it's even harder for us to receive. And so Jesus started this, chapter 8, verse 12, and he says, I am the light of the world. And then he ends John 8, in verse 58, he says, um, so, so they're, they're asking Jesus all these questions, and at one point they finally say, do you even know Abraham? And he's like, oh yeah, I know Abraham. And they say, well, how do you know Abraham? You're not old enough to have known Abraham. And this is his response to these guys. It's the last thing he says to them in John 8. He says, very truly I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. Some of your translations have the I am there in what's called small caps. Because he wasn't saying I am as in like, I am going to get a pizza later. He was saying I am as in the great I am, as in the name of God that he told Moses to call him as. He's saying before Abraham was even born, I am. So he's gone from making these claims about I am the light of the world, and now he's saying I am God. You can probably guess how they reacted to that, verse 59. At this, they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. See, all these claims throughout John 8, up to this point, they caused these disputes, and they caused friction, and they caused questions, and they're wrestling with, and they're fighting back, but now Jesus just claims to be God, the great I am. He's gone too far. They can't deal with it, and they try to kill him. John chapter 8 is so illuminating, and it invites us to investigate this truth, this capital T cosmic truth that exists outside of our feelings, praise God, and to try to apply it to our lives in a way that sets us free. John chapter 8 deserves some more of your time this week, and so I hope you'll dig into that in the John devotional. What a great a great time it is. But this week we're also covering chapter 9. And so what, I want to let chapter 9 kind of be our, our landing pad for this discussion. Because in John chapter 9, Jesus and his disciples slip away and they're walking and they come across this man born blind. So the disciples are asking him questions and then Jesus, you'll find out in a minute, he's about to heal him. But I love the, the very words that Jesus spoke right before he heals him. In John 9, verse 5, he says, I am the light of the world. He says that, and then he heals the man. 
Now, this is that one where he heals the man by spitting on the ground and making some mud and putting it on the guy's eyes, which early in my faith especially, I always laughed. I was like, Jesus has got all the power at his fingertips that the universe has ever known, and he still decides to spit in the mud and make it to fix this guy's eyes. I think it's kind of funny, but, but check this out. Last week, Adam shared with us about this woman in the beginning of John chapter 8 who was condemned, and there were people that decided to kill her because of her mistakes. And Jesus steps in, and an incredible thing unfolds. John chapter 8, verse 6, in the middle of Jesus intervening for this woman, chapter 8, verse 6 says, Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. All eyes are on him, and they're trying to figure out what he's going to say to do about this woman. And he stops, and he takes a minute, and he stoops down and writes in his finger, writes in the dirt with his finger in John 8, 6. In John 9, 6, Jesus is about to perform a miracle on this man's eyes. It says, then he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. Back-to-back stories that we see Jesus, he's all about miracles, and he's not about magic tricks. These are things he could have called everybody together and impressed everybody and shown them how awesome he is, but instead he didn't. He wasn't afraid to get a little bit dirty, get a little bit of dirt on his hands in order to get into the muck with his people. He willfully bent down and got into the dirt with us. He also wasn't in a rush, right? In the middle of everybody looking to him like, what's going to happen? He pauses and he, 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 gets, he gets low. I think we should all go outside and play in the dirt for a little bit before we respond to something online that infuriates us, right? Let's just pause and get in the dirt. I also think it's telling that the one being who didn't need to get low chose to get low in the midst of him revealing truth in love and showing grace. He does it, but he, he allows himself to be humbled and get low in service to these people. So Jesus heals this man, and people start to notice. The Jewish leaders call this man, and they start questioning him. Hey, what happened? Who, who was Jesus? What is he? Where does he come from? And I love my absolute favorite testimony in the entire Bible is John 9, verse 25. Because they're asking this man all these questions, and here's his response finally. I can just see him throwing up his hands, and it says, he replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. But one thing I do know, I was blind And now I see. That's all I got, guys. He says, I don't have all the answers, but what was once dark has been illuminated, and I can clearly see the truth now. I can see this man saying, I don't know everything there is to know. And I'm still learning, but I can tell you about specific areas in my life that are no longer in darkness. There are parts of my heart and understanding that have been illuminated by Jesus. And I can tell you about that. Here's something that I hope will be freeing for you whenever you hear this. You don't have to figure out every detail of your theology before you live in the light. You don't have to have it all figured out. The truth is about freedom, freedom to live, freedom to run, freedom to grow, freedom to love. It's not about performance and it's not about knowledge. 
The truth is here to set you free. So don't worry about all the details before you just start living in the light. Sometimes living in that light is going to be a few gut punches that help you live better and a more better representation of Jesus. But don't figure it all out before you step out onto the field. So you may be hearing this and you're saying, Wopsle, if I were to step into the light, I'm afraid of what I would start to realize and what others might start to realize. Well, so I've got a pretty comfortable thing going, and I think that absolute truth, cosmic truth might mess up my whole deal. And also, I wouldn't know how to walk through. You may be saying to yourself, who is there going to be whenever I don't understand, whenever I've made a mess of things, who is going to be there to help me? And Jesus is looking at you, and he's saying, I am. I am. So just come to me, and let's do this. If you've found yourself afraid of truth ever in your life, I'm telling you that it's a truth that either you or someone you know blended up. Because truth isn't scary. Truth sets you free. So look to God's word and read in John 8 about that kind of truth this week. Let me pray for us. God, we, we trust you or at least we try. God, we want to increase in our faith. We want to increase in our understanding. God, and we want to rely less and less on our own understanding and on our own feelings and emotion and more and more on what you've already stated in your word, Father. So God, we boldly invite your Holy Spirit to come in and to convict in a way that brings about change so that we can further your kingdom. God, we pray that you would come and that you would challenge things that we've believed just because, and you would show us that in your word, you're clear that we should be doing something different. God, we want our lives to count for you and you alone. No matter what area we find ourselves living and working in this crazy world, God, we want to be lights for you. Show us how to do that better. Whittle away at us the parts of us that don't honor you so that those that do can shine brighter. We invite you, God, and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Once again, thank you for listening to the Redeemer Church podcast. To stay connected to all that God is doing here at Redeemer, visit our website at RedeemerTulsa.org or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have a blessed week.